Cry Malt has been supplying the best ingredients to Australian and New Zealand brewers for 30 years. Their range of malt, hops and yeast is sure to take your beer to the next level. Proud sponsors of Brews News and Beer as a Conversation since the very beginning. Learn more about Cry Malt at www.crymalt.com. part of the plan to put a brewery in but for many years it was just a plan it's 100 acquisition of green beacon no we had a chat with everybody anyone would have seen this coming a mile away you know the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing oh yeah that's super simple and direct question it's always fun to get to speak about beer hi i'm bruce news editor matt kirkegaard and that's just what we're here to do talk about beer. Well, this week, hospitality, as we chat with Sarah Turner, beer education and experiences, community and culture developer at Four Pines Brewing Company. Having spent 13 years at Four Pines, Sarah was a very early hire at the brewery when it was one of the foundational breweries in Sydney. Coming from a background in pubs, Sarah played a significant role in establishing Four Pines as a hospitality venue, at a time when hospitality wasn't always a focus for startup breweries. In this chat, we talk about what is involved in good venue hospitality, but also the challenges of scaling up and adding venues while retaining the same culture and feel of the original. We also discuss some of the challenges involved in working in hospitality, including Sarah's own decision to step back and take a break before returning to Four Pines and assuming her current role. There's a lot of chat about Sarah and her background as well, and it's a great chat with someone who has made a career of craft and has had a big influence on the corner of it. I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did. Sarah Turner, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Thank you so much for asking me to join this afternoon. You've been in the industry for so long. I don't like to say for for some of our, you know, not lesser known guests, but, you know, there are people who are household names, the Brad Rogers, the, you know, the the people of that ilk. And uh, you're a name that I've known for a long time and I've wanted to get you on the podcast, but maybe to some of our listeners, they don't know you as well. Tell us who is Sarah Turner? Sarah Turner has been uh, around the, the craft beer industry for um, for a number of years, 13 years, um, a couple of weeks ago at Four Pines Brewing Company. So I started with them um, six months into their journey and it was back in the days when there was only two other microbreweries if you wanted a, um, you know, a beer brew pub experience in Sydney back in 2008. Uh, there was the Lord Nelson Hotel and Red Oak Brewing Company so when I jumped on board, um, it was a very, very different uh, experience to what I was used to having come from the pubs game. Um, and I have absolutely fallen in love with beer and the industry that we're all working in. But you had worked in hotels beforehand. So you came to it. Um, you know, a lot of people start in the craft brewing industry almost, you know, career change, but you had uh, experience in venue management. So you had a hospitality were you brought on at four pines as the hospitality person for them yeah absolutely so i did come from a um a clubs and background i had my first jobs was mcdonald's as soon as i could get in the door at 14 nine months i'd uh, sold biscuits around the streets knocking on doors before that i was just itching to get a job and hospitality was something that was um gonna you know put me on the right track I did McDonald's and Hungry Jack's um, and then worked at the Terry Hills Tavern as an assistant manager. So I remember so clearly the first day I poured a pint of beer. I remember the bunny ears and pouring that beer and I was being, you know, talked through it and I was so proud of that first pint. Um, and that sort of sparked a, a career and a love for hospitality. Uh, from there, I went on to work in numerous uh, venues across the northern beaches in Sydney managed to make sure all of them had the 12 a.m. license so I could still get enough sleep. But um, when I came into <laughs> Four Pines, it was, it was actually a bit of a dream. I'd been working for um, a large company and it just seemed that women were not getting the uh, opportunity to career progress as managers. So um, I had taken a career break. I was traveling and a girlfriend of mine called me and said, hey, the place that I'm working at is looking for a manager and I think that you'd be a great fit. 
at the time I wasn't ready to be entertaining the idea of, you know, getting back into the workforce. I was still, you know, head, head in holiday mode, but she gave my number to uh, Jaron Mitchell, uh, who was her boss. And I arrived back on Australian shores. He tried to call me. I had saved his number as Jaron do not answer because I was still not ready to uh, pick up the phone and get back in. I just wanted to see family and friends before I before I got back into work. Have you changed that name yet or is he still Jaron do not answer? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've accidentally answered it, you see. And uh, he introduced himself <laughs> and he said, today, Sarah, you're a hard one to get a hold of. And I said, oh, yes, is this Jaron? And he said, it is. And I said, oh, g'day. He mentioned that he worked or he owned a brewery in Manly. And I said, a brewery, so you make beer there? And he said, yes. And I went, oh, I thought you were a cafe in Manly that also had four in the front of its title. And he said, no, no, no. Anyway, piqued my interest, went in for an interview and uh, originally knocked the job back because it involved doubles across weekends and every weekend. And I said to him when he offered me the job, I said, look, Jaron, I would love to work for Four Pines. I think you're great. I, I got to meet his mum during the interview process and his father, they were there. And um, I said, but I'm just not prepared to do those doubles and those long shifts. I've done, I've done that my time. I was 25 at the time. And he said, give me five minutes. And he called me back and offered me the job Um, said, all right, we'll make it work. And yeah, so it was a strike of luck, um, really, on my part that that all fell into place. And I think they just brought me on really to uh, give themselves a break at the uh, early days of opening the Mitchell family, which is um, Cherie and Jaron, who are husband and wife now, and Jaron's younger brother, Adam, and um, Terry and Steve, the parents, they were all in the venue. Um, they were living together and, you know, they just needed a break from it. So I came in to relieve them, help them set up all the systems procedures and get behind the bar and introduce people to good beer. Just going back, I, I mean, my first job was at um, Hungry Jack's as well. So, and I think, you know, it's, a sta- <laughs> it's the first, um, you know, job that a lot of Australians do. But then I also hear so much about how, good a grounding it is for a lot of you know particularly things that are process based or you know can can benefit from a process or um hospitality you know uh, customer service type um jobs um that are, that are such good training has has that background that you know um, mcdonald's and hungry jacks been something that you have carried through hospitality you know at, at four pines during during your time in in that role yeah, absolutely. I think um, McDonald's and Hungry Jack's, as you said, they just provide excellent training. And when you're young and you work in that setting, you're taught to really approach tasks logically. So you, you've got your steps, you've got your systems, you've got your procedures, and everything's just so well thought through. And that training's really drilled into you. It's really simple, the way in which the messages are delivered through the training. And it's very process orientated. You know, you repeat the steps and you know your products and your suggestive upsells. So I think that's a really good uh, introduction to the industry. And then as you're moving into hospitality, um, you know, and licensed venues, you've got a lot more on your plate. You're thinking about the intoxication, RSA. Um, you're also, you're dealing with a more adult you're dealing with an adult audience, right, who's just coming in to have a pint and relax or, you know, rage and party. So um, I think it does teach you to understand customer behaviour, um, processes and systems, and really did, did shape how we approached our setting up of uh, systems at Four Pines. Have you ever used the phrase time to lean, time to clean? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Like I had a dollar for every time and my staff would just drive them crazy. Yeah, yeah. Time to lean, time to clean. Then all like meet, greet, engage, farewell. It's all these kind of small just I get given, I've been given a rough time over the years, people giving me a ribbing, um, walking strangers, walk out friends, you know, <laughs> just the short little things. Drill it into the, the, the staff's mind as they're training and little notes behind the bar. Uh, so they walk past as they enter their shift and see it and they're like, okay, cool, I'm the threshold now. I put on my team jersey. I'm here. I'm ready to give it my all. Let's go, you know. 
anything that can fit on a postcard, you know, has an ocean of truth behind it, but can also be completely silly if it's not, you know, if it's just slavishly adhered to. Um, and, and, and there's some of the, the, the great ones. Yes. Your progress through uh, Four Points, you, you started there as a um, as manager. Did you know a lot about beer? You had been, you know, at, at you know, a couple of other bars, a couple of other licensed events. You'd uh, worked for the ALH group. But were you a beer person before you started at the brewery? If you asked me that then, I'd say, yeah, I love a beer. Um, I knew how to pour a good beer. I wouldn't know much about beer at all in general other than that. I remember working behind the bar and an Englishman came in when I was at Manly Wharf Hotel and he said, oh, can I get a bitter? I'm after, you know, a bitter style. And I said, oh, yeah, we've got the Victoria bitter, you know. So <laughs> there, it wasn't, I didn't have the education back then. When I first started at Four Pines, before they popped me behind the bar, um, the Mitchell family flew me across to WA, where they're from, and we visited Frio and uh, the Swan Valley and Nick Despessies, who was the original brewer. Uh, he was by my side and they really wanted to introduce me to what this brew pub experience was, just to get me out of their um, headspace of, you know, a pub so I could connect to the product and see how it operated. And I remember him handing me beers and saying, oh, what do you think this one tastes like? And I was like, oh, like salmon? And then he handed me another one. He's like, what about this? And I was like, smoked salmon? Like I really had no idea. And the last beer I ever had at the job that I had before Four Pines, it was at the Sands Hotel in Narrabeen, I knocked off my last staffie. I ordered a Little Creatures Pale Ale and I got through half of it and I went back up to the bar and said, can I swap this out for a a Carlton draft, please. <laughs> and so I wasn't quite there, but the best beer that I'd ever had uh, in those early days, that the first one I ever enjoyed was Blue Tongue Lager. And I sipped it and I thought, this is a beer yep. that I could, you know, I could drink regularly. So yeah, it was a slow burn, but um, I guess that's how it begins for a lot of people, right? It's fascinating when you said 13 years in the brewing industry, I'm still trying to work out what the, you know, how they say seven years, you know, is, is one year for a dog. Um, I'm still trying to work <laughs> out what the, the the right metric is for a life in craft beer, because it's got to be at least two to three years. When you look at how quickly, you know, 13 years has passed and you, you mentioned mm. Lord Nelson and Red Oak and, you know, I still think back to walking into Red Oak in 2006 or 2007, and I can't think of mm. any venue since that has come close to what they were doing in terms of service around beer um, back when that cafe uh, opened back then. Um, the different glass for every yeah. beer, the breadth of beers that they were making to a very high standard, the knowledge of every staff member that walked on premises but that was a, a rarity and uh yeah so I'm, I'm trying to work out you know, there, there were so many of us who you know blue tongue lager was the epitome of a of a great beer back in those days yeah absolutely and and in two point with red oak they i guess they're like walking cicerones really aren't they 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 just knew everything there was the staff was so passionate about it and I can't think of another brewery that has lived up to that expectation that I've visited, um, just taking beer as seriously as what they've done. Um, but yeah, phenomenal. And they were ahead of their time. Yeah, yeah, they, they certainly were. I remember back in the day going to beer festivals, it would be Red Oak, um, Stone and Wood, who I think, were, you know, we were about six months um, in the original founding, so six months of I don't know if it was they were first or we were first. Uh, 2008 from memory. Yep, yep. So we were June 2008. So we were hot on each other's tails. Now, you, you mentioned that you did go to Swan Valley in WA. Did you go to Little Creatures on, on that trip, given that you'd returned half of Little Creatures um, as, as the last beer before starting at Four Pines? Did you get to go to Little Creatures? Yeah, I certainly did. So Little Creatures had been pitched as the benchmark for customer experience for a hospitality environment um, and also the pale ale the pale ale was absolutely phenomenal it's still it's still a great beer um, so by walking into that venue and just seeing the way the staff interacted their knowledge of the beers looking through the glass and seeing the brew house on the other side and then understanding the story of little creatures expansion across the you know the water's edge there um, it really did for me make it a big impression as to 
what I wanted to bring into Four Pines as, you know, making my mark. Um, I think that hospitality is sometimes underrated in the industry. It can be really difficult to have the experience where you're nailing everything. And for me, it drives me crazy. I'm not talking brew pub and just brew pubs. I, I love mm. walking into a venue and just sitting there and relaxing and enjoying a good beer, um, having a bit of a chat to the bartender or, or the brewer, um, waitress, whatever, and not having to think about the experience at all because it's just all so intuitive and enjoyable and having the music right and having um, the temperature right, windows open if it's a warm day, fans on, lighting, candles in the evening, lights adjusted, um, the type of playlist. There's just there's just something magical about um, having a really great hospitality experience and little creatures just drove that home in that in that experience back in 2009. I'm pleased to hear you say that. Like there's that little bit of self affirmation because I remember walking in to little creatures probably 2006 for the first time and just being struck. I saw this as you know, when Australia had a culture of drinking, I saw Little Creatures as being the place mm -hmm. that showed the promise for a drinking culture, you know, where there could be a culture around and, you know, a lifestyle um, around it that was different to what we knew as mm -hmm. a just um, chug it down. And they did so much so well. And I was thrilled uh, last year, um, trying to remember in COVID exactly when it was, whether it was last year or the year before, going over there and seeing, you know, 15 years later, they still had maintained that, even though it had grown and the business has grown mm. and they've had ownership changes, they've still got that same lovely, lovely vibe that I think in a lot of ways, there's a little bit of that little creature's DNA in every pub that opened after it, every pub that's got a brew pub, has a little bit of influence that came from that amazing Fremantle venue. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, Little Creatures and Craft Beer Revolutions sort of opened up an, a, a really healthy relationship with beer. It's quality, not quantity. It's understanding, you know, what you're drinking, what's in front of you, um, you know, progression to understanding the ingredients in the process rather than, you know, you just open a tap and beer comes out or, um, you know, straight from the bottle, it encourages people to connect with the product and Little Creatures really did start that, at least from what I saw. Um, there's lots of other breweries that have been around for a long time as well. We did go out to the Swan Valley and visit a bunch and had plenty of time down in uh, WA Southwest in Margaret River region visiting breweries mm. um, back in those early years in my career as well. And, um, yeah, I think it just allows people... You know, craft beer, brew pubs really just allow people to slow down and connect to the beverage and connect to the history and the science and the agriculture behind it, um, which I feel like we're seeing more and more these days is the inquiry of the consumers wanting to learn about what's in their glass. You know, we've gone through wanting to learn about the beer styles and now we're looking at, well, how is it made and, um, and what's being used? Having done that tour and... You know, Four Pines, as many venues as it is now, um, started at, at Manly. What did you see on that trip that you took back and introduced to, to, to Manly as one of the you know, sort of early new generation brew pubs? Sure. I think um, one of the big learnings was people are going to want to inquire about the product and understand it. And at the time, um, we really were introducing people to this idea of craft beer remember people coming into the pub and walking up to the bar and they had looked at the menu and they knew what food they wanted to order and then they said, oh, and I'll, they ordered their, you know, burger and fish and chips and ordered a VB and a Corona. And so we'd say, yeah, absolutely can do the food, but unfortunately can't do those beers. And what, what do you mean you can't do those beers? Aren't you meant to be a pub? And I'd just point to the stainless steel behind us know either side of me and, and just to the right of them and they'd say oh okay what are they explain you know we actually make our own beer here and you could just see their minds explode um and it was really just introducing people the fact that beer was something that could be handcrafted it could be produced locally and um i remember 
we had the Colch and the Pale Ale and a customer ordered both, putting them up on the bar and they grabbed it, the Pale Ale, and they said, well, this must be the Colch, and they grabbed the Colch and said, this must be the Pale Ale because they just weren't familiar with beer styles at the time and it was just touching in on the history of why it, why it was called Pale Ale, not indicative of the colour, indicative of the history. And then I remember people drinking the beer and saying, this stuff tastes like this is rubbish, I don't like it, and sitting with them and saying, why don't you like it? And it was just something that they weren't used to. I think what I learned at Little Creatures and what we took home at Manly was you have to um, take customers on the journey. We had to, back in those days, introduce them to this um, this new thing. It was a heavy kind of lager era. Everybody was used to uh, the VBs, the Cultons, the Tuis new, and if you wanted a premium beer, you would have your Crown Lager. Um, or your Stella or your Heineken. So beers that uh, were jam-packed with, you know, hops and lots of malt and body really needed people to hold their hand to walk them through at that time. So I think it was more so like having understood you want to have the information so that you could share it with the customer. It was the opportunity to be informed if they wanted to. But sometimes they just wanted to come in and grab a beer and they could they, they weren't stuffed about what beer it was. They just wanted to have a beer they'd finished work. They didn't want to get into the details of um, how it was made and who made it and what hops you might have put in it. And I think that still rings true to today as well. Yeah, just a little bit of a sidetrack there because you mentioned Kolsch. And from memory, Four Pines was the first brewery to really go big with a Kolsch um, in, in the early days. I remember it threw a lot of people and trying to explain that. And uh, these days... Mm. Uh, it, 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 it's the beer, the, the cinema that I go to stocks Four Pines and you can have a beer while you w- w- watch a movie with your popcorn. And um, the, the Kolsch or the, the, the Draft Ale, as it's now called, um, is, is my go-to beer to, to sit in the cinema. So was it hard? Mm. Did you end up giving up? And this might be the marketing team, not not yourself, but did you have to give up <laughs> on, on the Kolsch because it was too hard because you reach a scale where you can't, hand explain well Kolsch is a German pale ale or you know it was Hans crafted yeah. or handcrafted does it get to a stage where it's just easy to go look we'll just call a draft you know when it was just our venues when it was our brew pubs our staff were able to have those conversations with people we were able to explain what a Kolsch was they'd come up to the bar and they'd go oh can I get a cloche a gloche a grolsch <laughs> you'd have all of the different very imaginative I don't know how people read that word, but it was, it was difficult for people to pronounce. And when um, we had the opportunity to get beer across the country, we realised that it was quite intimidating if you're going to the bar and you're ordering a beer that you can't pronounce or you're not familiar with. So we did switch it to draft and we kept Kolsch-style ale underneath. And the reason for that was because what we do intend to do is switch it in the future and put Kolsch back on top, but we need to take the journey, again, take the customers on the journey um, and make them feel comfortable and confident. So that was the idea was, well, how can we encourage people to want to drink this beer and putting a word on there that they might not have felt comfortable pronouncing was, um, wasn't going to work. <laughs> You've been uh, with Four Pines right through the, the journey, apart from the um, six months. You've gone from having a brew pub at Manly through the production brewery. Now you've got how many breweries and how many standalone venues? Um, production venues. We uh, have, obviously, as you said, we've got our Brookvale um, site and our Manly brew pub. In Newport on the Northern Beaches, we do our barrel ageing. Um, so we have a little uh, three purpose-built photos out the back there and lots of barrels. It's pretty special. And then we have Welcome to Brunswick down in uh, Brunswick, funnily enough. So we don't run a hospitality, but we partner with the Welcome To group. And um, we have got a brew house down there. So we're brewing fresh on site to um, serve the beer there. Similar arrangement in Sydney at King Street Wharf with the Sporting Globe Brew group. So we brew there, it's poured fresh from the taps. Um, and then we've got some venues up in Coolangatta and Torquay, which we own and operate. One in New, um, Newcastle near Charlestown. And um, we've just recently opened one in the Hunter Valley as a partnership venue as well. So um, go up there and you sit out amongst the um, paddocks overlooking the horse riding shed and it's, it's beautiful. So 
for us, hospitality, we began as a hospitality business. Mm. Um, it's in our DNA and bringing people together for beer experiences has been really important and really our reason for being. And uh, we do have a plan to expand further as well. And, and that's uh, where I was going with that because with hospitality being part of the Four Pines DNA, you started as a brew pub, there's been a very strong imprint on the brand um, of hospitality. How do you scale that as you know, as you get further and further away from home base um, with more and more staff, more and more venues? Um, because that's increasingly a model that we're seeing you know, a lot of craft breweries do where they want to control their own destiny. How did Four Pines manage to keep its DNA as the uh, hospitality side uh, grew and spread? Great question. And uh, I think it really does go back to the lessons that we learned back in our early days at the Brew Pub. We were really about being a community-orientated venue. We connected into the local sporting clubs, so um, Manly Cricket, uh, some of the local footy clubs. Um, we went to and got ourselves on the board of the Chamber of Commerce. We were representing at council um, as well. So we really just got stuck in and made ourselves a part of the furniture within Manly. And when we opened in Brookvale, we had to do that again. And although we were really close to home and it was easy to drag people, you know, 10 minutes drive up the road, we still had to consider who our locals were and what drives them to come in and visit. Um, a Newport again, it's 25 minutes up the road from Brookvale and it's a lot more um, of your local residents. So engaging with them and making them, giving them a reason for wanting to turn up to your venue and instead of the big guy around the corner, um, you know, the atmosphere and the ambience, the connection for our staff members with the customers, making friendships with people really is a key driver um, of the success. As we are growing and expanding, we're working with partners. So as I said, we're not necessarily running the hospitality ourselves, but we're working with them to ensure that we're integrating into the communities and we're giving them a reason for wanting to visit us and, and you know, making them feel proud that we've turned up and creating great beers for them to enjoy and hoping that we deliver a atmosphere and a service that, you know, is approachable and friendly and and genuine and authentic. I think that um, like authentic service and connection with the customer, great quality beers and a, a good atmosphere is uh, key to how we have grown. How much of what you've done there, you know, was stuff that you learned going back to the McDonald's question, you know, because <laughs> one of McDonald's boasts is that you can go into McDonald's and you get a very similar level of service because they've made it, you know, replicable. Uh, you know, have you brought any of those learnings from your early days of uh, hospitality? Look, I think the beer's got to be right on. It's got to be the best quality beer that we can produce and we've got to be proud of it. And I think when that doesn't happen and we're questioning our, you know, our reason for being. So tick the beer and make sure that's good. Tick the atmosphere. And I think that's something that we can, you know, it takes a while to teach people. It's not always something that, you know, you've, you've got to learn and process as an individual to make it intuitive by nature to be able to control elements of atmosphere. So that's something that's really got to be considered. But I think when it comes down to it, like every venue that we have has got a really unique footprint. Um, the staff are all different. We're, in, you know, living in different suburbs, different cultures. Um, we've grown up manly um, and Brookvale, so we're beachside culture, um, you know, near Sydney Harbour. But then when we move to Charleston, we're a little bit further from the beach in Brunswick, you know, you're in a, a, a city hub and it's eclectic and, and the staff are eclectic. So we want each venue to um, really represent the people that it's um, landed in rather than it have to be a copy-paste McDonald's experience. I think that would be a bit dry and you'd lose your authenticity. Um, and how would the staff love turning up to work each day if they couldn't bring themselves? So, yeah, I think it's important that each is representative for um, Four Pines and the values that we have and delivering the customer experience that we, um, you know, that we strive to, but, uh, but all doing it in their own style and their own way. Just before we move off uh, hospitality, 
and it, it, it's potentially because of the way the craft industry has grown up that it started, you know, as a garage, you know, industry um, with small breweries, passionate brewers starting, and then the the tap room was almost an afterthought. Where you know we're here to make good beer, we're here to make craft beer, beer with flavour, ingredients, and then we'll just open a little tap room, um, and we can just sort of put somebody out there to, to pour our beers because people will come. I think, you know, with now 560-odd um, breweries, in, in physical breweries in the country, many with tap rooms, they're competing against the likes of the Four Pines, you know, professional, the um, the archetype of uh, little creatures. Um, they've got the stomping grounds. Um, they've, they've got the felons. Mm. Hospitality has come to be much more important than just putting beer in a glass. Um, and I still think that some breweries don't quite give the professionalism, you know, the skill set that good hospitality demands, the weight that it should be given. Um, you know, do you have any tips in your experience about what makes good venue hospitality, um, you know, in, in, in the modern brew pub? Your hiring and your culture are really important. I think culture really sets the tone of the experience that your staff members are going to have and the way in which they're going to want to interact with your customers. We have always said at Four Pines, we take what we do seriously, but not ourselves. You know, we're not rocket scientists. We're not saving people's lives. We're making good beer and we're giving people a good time. And um, I think culture set from the top and flowing down and consistency, um, making everybody, like the staff, feel like they're included, feeling like, feel like they're, they're valued um, and also allowing them opportunity to learn about the beer. I think what we saw in those early years is people were getting jobs at brew pubs because they were interested about beer. They were, you know, they might have had a passion about it. And nowadays we have lots of brew pubs. Um, you know, it has become just a, a job for some people and it's like it's bringing people back in to um, the heart of what you're all about as a brewery. So what drives you, your values, your personality traits and your mission, having that really clear and sharing with them the opportunities to um, taste different unique styles of beer, speak with the brewers, um, get in the brew house, mash in themselves. So I think that's really important. And, and the food component as well. Like I think it's holistic, having food that you're proud of that goes well with beers, um, staff that enjoy showing up, putting their, you know, like I said earlier, putting on your team jersey, putting on your brew house jersey um, and having good banter and, and enjoying the, enjoying being there. Now, moving on from hospitality, your, your, your title, and I'm reading from LinkedIn here, your, your LinkedIn profile, you are now the <laughs> Beer Whisperer, Beer Education and Experiences Community and Culture Developer. Um, yes. Does that mean you've moved out of the hospitality role or that still sits yes. under you and you've got a much broader role these days? Uh, much broader role. I'm really fortunate at Four Pines that um, I plug into all the departments across the business and have the opportunity to meet everybody that works for us. But in 2017, I fell out of love with hospitality. I just burned out entirely. Um, I had had such an awesome journey as we were uh, opening up venues across the northern beaches and um, overseeing operating those but I think that with hospitality once your time's up and you know your heart's not in it it's really hard to turn up each day and give it your all and your 100% and it, it's an industry that really needs it because you're always on your phone is not your own because you'll get calls from um, you know alarm companies in the, you know two o'clock in the morning and You've got plumbing issues, staffing issues, and that those were the things that really dragged me down in the end. And um, and just honestly dealing with customers at one point um, just got really difficult and I just needed to step away. And I wasn't sure if I was exiting, but um, I had a chat with Jaron and said, hey, um, you know, just I need a break. And he said, look, step out, take as much time as you need, and when you're ready, give me a call. In the meantime, we're going to search for the perfect job for you. We want you back. And so I had an eight-month break hiatus. I went traveling and diving overseas, um, came back and built a van and drove around Australia and um, came back to Sydney. Uh, so it was in February 2018. 
wasn't sure what I was getting myself into, but I was just ready for the next challenge. And um, I called Jaron and said, it's time. And he said, perfect. So I ended up staying in the van for two years, tentatively unsure if I wanted to, you know, commit full time. But I was definitely committed once I came back. They said, we want you to take on the role of your education um, and create experiences for our staff to reconnect them into what we're doing and why we're passionate about it and what drives us. Um, also to connect in with the CUB teams across the country um, and really get them to understand those same those same qualities about Four Pines and beer. So, yeah, I had a bit of a career break. I needed it. And uh, I've, I think I've seen quite a few people in recent years uh, suffer from similar burnout within the hospitality industry and even in the beer industry as well. I, I did make a note right at the start of our chat when you talked about the venues that you'd chosen all were, were 12 o'clock venues because you like your sleep and things <laughs> like that. So, um, and I, I'd made a note because that is often, I didn't know this about you when going into this interview that you'd taken that break, but um, which is why it's interesting that I, I made that note to come back to. Um, because hospitality is a very tough industry and the brewing industry is a very tough industry as well. Um, it's highly social. Alcohol has its uh, sort of dark side um, and, it, you know, challenges, um, you know, around drinking. Were you very conscious of that during your time, you know, even before you had the, the hiatus or was this something that even snuck up on you, um, the, the need to take the break and that little bit of burnout you just talked about? Yeah, I think, look, I think I also always knew that um, hospitality did have a, um, an end at some point and mm. I began approaching that but probably didn't admit it to myself early enough. Um, but I still turned up every day and I still loved what I was doing because I was still plugged into an awesome business and I was surrounded by great people. Um, and at the with Four Pines, you know, there's always something going on. It's always, um, you know, new projects. It's so innovative. Um, so I was, I was still experiencing all this love and passion for being amongst Four Pines in the industry, but I just couldn't, didn't, I just didn't have the desire and love to keep up with the hospitality side. Um, mm. it's certainly, you know, alcohol is, it, it is what we are. It's what we do. And, that's why I'm so grateful for the low to no out category that we're seeing now and yep. mid strength in the last few years as well, because us that have been around for a long time, you know, we, we do tend to attend a lot of events and all the rest. But I have always had, a, a, you know, a reasonably healthy relationship with alcohol and, and beer. And I don't think it was so much drinking or anything like that that drove me out. It was just didn't want to be turning up each day. Um, on my feet and just needed a break to give back to myself mm. for a while. So I, I did that and, um, you know, I, I don't regret coming back to work within the beer industry. I absolutely love it. And I think you can't take, you can take the girl out of hospitality, but you can't take hospitality out of the girl. And what I love about my role now is I'm still really plugged into our hospitality. I still meet all of our staff and do onboarding, beer education, Last year we had um, created a online, sorry, a um, video training for hospitality because all of the videos we saw were just lame and we wanted something to capture, uh, I guess, the what, the legacy of what we built at Four Pines over the years. So we did a big production. Um, it's called Hospo Heroes and myself and the um, GM of hospitality, uh, Adam Deering, who I've worked with for, oh, 15, 16 years now, um, he and I sat down and wrote it together and it was just really special. It was really silly. So, yeah, very much love hospitality, but my, yeah, my days of pouring pints on a rostered schedule are out, <laughs> but I love nothing more than jumping up behind the bar and pouring pints if I don't have to. So if I see, I see, see the bar getting busy, you'll see me behind there pouring pints for sure. I love that side. <laughs> Is it... Uh... An occupational hazard that you still walk into any venue or any restaurant and review it rather than enjoy it? Do you just oh, you know, you just have that little bit of, oh, they're doing this wrong? I think most of, you know, I mentioned earlier that I can be quite critical, but I think most of the time I am looking for the positives and I do see the positives. Um, 
that haunted me for a while. And I think that's the other thing that I loved about getting out of hospitality was I could let my guard down a little bit, but it was conscious effort for a while. And now I can, I can walk into our venues and it depends where I place myself. So if I place my, you know, my back to the bar, you know, and just really focus on, you know, the company that I'm keeping, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I really love that now. I couldn't do it in the earlier days. I had to be, you know, mindful of everything that was occurring. But, uh, yeah, certainly it takes training, I think, to switch that <laughs> off. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, the, the beer education experiences you create for the staff and how important, um, again, is that, bearing in mind that a lot of the people who listen to this podcast work in, you know, smaller breweries who are looking at how they can lift their standards and bring their staff along on the same journey. Just just explain a little bit about your current role and how you're, you're achieving that. Sure. So um, my role through beer education experiences uh, sort of serves holistically the business, um, our network within CBSRE, um, developing experiences for our customers that enter our venue and trade customers that visit our venues as well. So I absolutely love it. I think it's the best job in the world. We have for our employees an onboarding process um, and we call us the School of Beer. They come in and for the first hour and a half they hear me ramble on about you know the Four Pines journey where we started, where we um, you know where we've been and where we're headed to um, and some of our achievements along the way and understand who we are um, through, you know, personality traits, values, mission statement and purpose. So they get a really good understanding of what they're walking themselves into and and for us really just like making them a part of the, the family as well. Uh, and then we dive into beer essentials. So, you know, the four ingredients, the brewing process. And with that, I like to really now talk to the agricultural side of the industry as well. Because I think, you know, we pick up a bottle of wine and we look at it and there's clues there. We can see um, the varietal. We can see the region from where it came, the vintage, what year. Um, and all of that forms a picture. But with beer, it's not as easy as that. It's not, you know, you can pick up a, a bottle of beer or look at a tap and you might not get the clues that you need. So it's, um, it's really introducing people to approach beer uniquely differently to how they might have done in the past when they begin working for us. Then um, we have a great session with Andrew Twiddell of Tweeds, uh, head brewer at Four Pines, one of my besties. Legend. Yes, he is. And uh, he teaches people how to drink beer like a boss. I mean, taste beer like a boss. Um, you teach how to drink beer like a boss if you needed him to, but taste beer like a boss or a beer judge. So just really being mindful as you're going through, you know, the stages of the sensory experience and having people act it out with him. Um, and then, yeah, we, we grab lunch together and have all of our leadership join um, so everyone gets an opportunity to meet one another and ask questions. We have a um, getting barreled, barrel age um, session as well, just because Garrett Sherman, um, brewer that's been with us since, well, Tweeds was the first and Garrett was the second. Um, he runs through all of the wonderful history of barrel aged beer and all the bacteria and yeast that's used in the process and people just love that. And we have beers gone bad, so an off-flavour sensory, which can be a little bit in-depth for, your, you know, your first introduction to beer, but people just get really excited to do that. And so we take that model and we um, kind of, depending on who the audience is, if it's our CUB crew, we've taken them all through that as well. Um, gives us a, a chance to bond and get to know one another um, and out to customer and trade experiences as well. So... It's really just taking people along for the journey of beer. And at the moment, I'm um, just doing a kind of evolution on that. So, so a 2.0 um, and kind of taking it to the next level. So that's a lot of fun to be working on that. And I'll be rolling that out this year as well. Sounds like a pretty expansive job. It sounds like they've really found something that you know, you, you've come back into that uh, lets you touch, as you said, with all of the points of the business, but really carry some of that hospitality thinking out into the broader business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it, it allows an opportunity as people get to know Four Pines, they get to know the characters at Four Pines as well, the people that have been there. And, and we share the stories that we're passionate about, like Tweeds is perfect to teach you how to taste beer like a boss. And um, Garrett 
he drove this barrel beer program. Um, he, in the early years, uh, two years into Four Pines, asked Jaron if he could put beer into a barrel, just one barrel. And Jaron said, no, nah, mate, we've just got to keep, we've just got to get these beers into bottles first and foremost, you know. And Jaron ducked off overseas for a um, snowboarding trip and, whoops, Garrett accidentally fell over and some colch found its way into a barrel. And we cracked that a few years later. So it's, it's allowing people to share the stories that they're passionate about, um, meet characters across the business. It's not always just about hearing one person's voice. And that's been really cool. I've enjoyed that side of the business as well. And each time I meet with people and have others contribute as well, I'm, con- I'm on a continuous journey of learning. And you're never done with beer. I've got just a little bit into it. The rabbit hole, 13 years in. You're not defaulting back to Carlton Draft anymore. You know what? Funny story, a few years into working at Four Pines, I was interviewed by, by the, um, the Financial Review, uh, the weekend edition, and they actually printed, um, Sarah says, the customers come in and say, uh, I can't drink that shit across the road anymore. And that was in print and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. And I think I just did have this impression that there was superior beer and there was a less superior beer. But now I can drink Carlton Draft and really enjoy it for what it is. So, um, and I think that's the beauty of spending time in beer, isn't it? Is you no longer, it's not elitist. You don't have to drink the biggest, hoppiest IPA or, um, you know, the, the barrel aged beer that's been put away for four years and stored perfectly. And every, you can enjoy any beer with the right head, not all of them, but, you know, a bit more respect, I guess. Going back to, what I was saying about you know the, the dog years equivalent. We've been through this massive thing, and I think it was important to be a at the start of the craft beer movement that it had to be against something. It had to be you know um, championing mm. something new and different, and that meant being. But the arc that the industry's gone through, when we're seeing so many craft breweries bringing up beers that aren't terribly dissimilar to what once once being rebelled against. And that's a great thing. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And I'm I'm loving the lager resurgence, um, clean, crisp, refreshing, top quality lager. Like, I don't know if it can get, can it get any better than that? It is brilliant to see it almost come full circle, seeing that um, happen within the industry again. It's difficult to brew really good lager. Funnily enough, that's what all of the brewers said 20 years when I was sort of uh, you know, <laughs> having a go at the big brewers. And they sort of said, it's really hard to make a, a clean lager. You know, it's easy to hide behind hops. And now that's what a lot of craft yeah. brewers are saying. I didn't want to let you go without saying that it's, you know, outside of Four Pines, but still in the beer industry, you were heavily involved in uh, Pink Boots. Um, tell us a little bit about your role there. Yeah, okay. So um, it's probably only been a year since I got involved in Pink Boots. And I think at first I was probably maybe in Sydney, it didn't have such a presence and maybe a little bit intimidated to get involved, to be honest. Um, and Tweed sort of saw uh, that they were looking for um, some New South Wales state coordinators and gave me a nudge and said, you should do this. And I thought, well, you know what, I'll throw my hat in the ring. And it's been amazing. I've been able to connect to women across uh, Australia that are so passionate about what they do and really give up a lot of their time um, to create opportunities for networking, for um, education, for scholarships. And um, I was appointed in uh, November for as the secretary for Pink Boots, which I'm very excited about still, um, after hosting Pathway to Judging. So during October last year, we put on a... Um, was an intense one-month course with two sessions a week hosted by industry industry professionals. They were tackling different beer category styles and we were tasting the beers alongside them at home. We chose to do the model of online because we were most of us were stuck in lockdown and it gave us a really great opportunity to connect and learn from industry leaders. And from that, um, it ended in an event at our Sporting Globe venue, King Street Wharf, and Sam Fuss hosted it. We did a mock beer judging. So I put together 35 beers across seven categories. So five beers in each category of the brewer's notes. And we had 12 women turn up. Um, and Sam and Drew Twiddell and Ali McDonald, uh, jumped from between the three tables and, um, gave us an opportunity to, you know, put it, put us in the judge's seat for a day. And from there, we had two people that went on to be judges at the Sydney Royal and I was able to be a steward. 
um, alongside another as well. So I'm hoping I might be able to jump in the judge's seat myself this year. I've got my fingers crossed that I'm putting myself out there. I think that's something that I've learned from Pink Boots is you've just got to go for it. Mm. That's one of the things that, that, that I constantly hear about Pink Boots is that encouragement where you know we hear quite often that women are much less willing to put themselves forward where men do tend to sort of say oh look I'll learn along the way and Pink Boots is mm. really pushing that you know pushing uh forward um for for, for a lot of the for the members which is great yeah absolutely Tiffany the president really does create that you know she's very ambitious within the industry and has sort of shown us that it is okay to to put yourself out there um, and very encouraging of the rest of us or you know there's quite a few like Ali McDonald as well I've met her at the Sydney Royal and, and doing the pathway to judging and she really was like taking me under the wing and going you're good at this you can do this and I guess was really questioning my abilities tweet was like Sarah you know you can do it come on <laughs> but um it is really lovely to have that encouragement people like Tina Pernustos um you know lend a lot of their time to pink boots as well Bryony Liebich meeting her and listening to her journey and story that there's some wonderful examples of success in the beer industry um women just powering through and doing their own thing and um it's really great to be able to meet these meet these people and get to know them very inspired <laughs> thank you uh, again very inspired by your progression uh you know through the brewing industry and uh particularly around the hospitality side which as i said i think uh, a lot of breweries need to listen to some of the guidance that you've given around the hospitality within craft beer so sarah turner thank you very much for this conversation about beer and uh thank you for the conversation about your career as well thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure and that was sarah turner in that chat, Sarah mentioned that it was her goal to judge at the Australian International Beer Awards. And since recording this interview, Sarah has let me know that she has received an invite to do just that, and she will this year be an associate judge. She said that needless to say, she cracked a few beers to celebrate, and also no doubt to sharpen that palate. Don't forget, if you're a listener, you can join the conversation on the best discussion group on the internet, the Radio Brews News Facebook group. To join our Facebook group, just search for Radio Brews News and use the password Soapbox. Really, we'll let you in anyway. That just tells us you've heard it on the podcast. If you do like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out by sponsoring the show. If you're a business, you can take a business directory listing or even take advertising on the show. If you're a listener, you can review us on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting service. You can also let us know how we're going or the people you would like to hear from or the questions you would like asked by emailing us at producer at bruisenews.com.au. As always, thank you for listening. Cry Malt has been supplying the best ingredients to Australian and New Zealand brewers for 30 years. Their range of malt, hops and yeast is sure to take your beer to the next level. Proud sponsors of Brews News and Beer as a Conversation since the very beginning. Learn more about Cry Malt at www.crymalt.com.